Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Sorry, I just got distracted for a second. Um, sorry, can you just say that again? Uh, where, where, where should I go from? Because I feel like I said quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, just, 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 just do the last bit. Oh, yeah, no, I was just saying... Um, uh... It's the 21st of July, 2017. I'm Simon Copland. And I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week is the second part of a two-part episode talking about queer essentialism and what it means to identify as queer. But before we jump into the conversation, we just wanted to remind you about our uh, fancy new social media accounts that we probably should have set up like when we started the podcast, um, but now we have them, and so you should uh, like us on Facebook and, and follow us on Twitter and, and uh, talk about the, the episodes. Uh, on both platforms, it is at Queers Podcast. So, easy to remember. In last week's episode, we spoke about the controversy of a Vogue magazine cover featuring Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik. The cover claimed the couple were part of a new generation embracing gender fluidity. We suggest you may want to listen to that episode before you listen to this one, but it is not essential. No pun intended there, or I think pun definitely intended. So in that episode and in that discussion, we spoke in particular about uh, essential studies of gender and sexuality, which kind of led us to a place at the end of the discussion conveniently, which leads us right into this episode and this discussion, which is who gets to identify as queer. This specific question became relevant recently after actor Andrew Garfield told audiences that his life is currently so gay that he considers himself a gay man right now just without the physical act. Many mocked Garfield's for his statement, stating that you can't just decide to be gay because you have lots of gay friends and like RuPaul's Drag Race. But is this actually the case? With so much of queer politics now being focused on identity, can't someone just decide to be queer without the so-called physical act? If that's the case, what does it actually mean to be queer? So Ben, let's get this going. What did you make of Garfield's comments? Does he get to decide to be gay the way he said he was? Uh, before I answer that question, I want to put it back on you, <laughs> unfairly, um, uh, just because we, I, I feel like where we ended, we ended our last episode and the, the last discussion in a place that I think could provide a nice little kind of jumping off point to respond to this question. Because really like, you know, I, like, I, I guess my very short answer to that question is, uh, I have no idea, but I think it's a really interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'll kind of get more into that. But you had been talking about in our last conversation, we were talking about the connection between sort of identity politics and essentialism and, and this um, this thought that perhaps essentialism is a kind of core part of identity politics and maybe even the core idea of it. 
and you suggested that you saw a kind of interesting contradiction there. Do you want to do you want to expand on that a bit first, or kind of maybe give us a little bit of background as to what you meant? Yeah. So I think the uh, the contradiction that I see is. So identity, a lot of identity politics is based on the idea of being able to identify uh, however you want and uh, sort of as who you are uh, and sort of being able to sort of place that identity onto yourself and then for people to, to that, you know, that there's no real right to question that identity and that that's, that's, that's a sort of self-prerogative to be able to do it, to be able to do that and to be able to, to, to define yourself and to be able to express yourself in the way that you want to define yourself and to be able to, um, to, to, to have the right to do that. Uh, and that's sort of one side of it, but the, the other side of it, you have a very essentialized element of this, which sort of says that identities are fixed and that they there is a certain number of identities and that these these identities are ones that are sort of um, defined at birth almost. So, uh, you know, you're born gay, uh, you're born straight, uh, you're born bisexual, you're born, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an essentialized uh, element to gender, there's an essentialized element to, to sexuality. So there's this sort of contradiction where you, that, a contradiction that I see in which you, um, you, you're able to define yourself, but that definition is one that's been placed onto you as part of the sort of inherent core to your being that's sort of often framed in a biological way. So it's not really a self-definition, it's sort of you almost expressing something that is true, that is a true part of yourself that is sort of inherently there somehow. Yeah, totally. It almost like, it's almost like identifying becomes this act of like unveiling or uncovering, you know, it's like mm. sort of cu- like coming out as a metaphor for all of identity politics or something, you know, that, Absolutely, that it's this, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is super interesting that it's like you can identify as whatever you want, but only if in the act of doing so you are revealing an inherent truth. Yeah, which, which exactly. Which is, is kind of so weird. It's such a kind of odd, it's such an odd idea. Mm. So I, I yeah. guess I, I was keen to have that. I feel like that's just, I don't know if that's going to lead directly into what I have to say about Andrew Garfield, but I feel like that's a really kind of interesting thing to have just as the backdrop of this whole conversation because that that to me is a a completely fascinating idea yeah okay well yeah well i mean i'm glad i'm glad so so thank you (laughs) i didn't warn you now i I was gonna do that so (laughs) that's fine but now now i want to hear what i want to go back because i was the one who asked the first question that's true that's true um so what did you make of garfield's comments oh i mean like a lot of this kind of thing on a superficial level i don't really care like (laughs) on a superficial level i'm just like Whatever, I don't know, he can do what he wants. He like it's probably not important like what whether he's a gay man or not. If he wants to feel like that, you know, whatever. He can he can do that. But I think it is it's interesting on a few levels. I think it's sort of uh to link it to the conversation we were having in the last episode, we were talking a bit about distinctions between ascent discourses of essentialism around uh sexuality versus gender. And I think I'd said something briefly about how the idea the idea that the kind of you know quote proof for sexuality is is very specific which which is exactly the thing that Andrew Garfield is saying that he is not doing which is he's not having sex with men or he's not sexually attracted to men I guess is probably a, a better way of putting it but obviously sexuality is more or sexual identity say is more complicated than that in that you know gay is coded as things beyond the sexual act, you know, there there is a certain kind of cultural script for gay men a cert- that looks like a certain thing usually, and and that I feel like so much of respectability politics and and po- the politics of gayness in in recent years has become about denying that that's true 
and I think obviously there's a lot of value in in broadening out the possibilities of what it is to to be a gay man. But the fact remains that there there is still that sort of like it is still more than who you're sexually attracted to. And so I think there's kind of a Andrew Garfield's comments sort of highlight that to some degree, and that's you know sort of an interesting thing to talk about. Although you know maybe maybe there's not really much more to say about it than that. Whether or not he's allowed to identify as gay. I mean, part of me is tempted to just be, like, a total asshole about it and just say, sure, I mean, like, let's just say anyone can. Like, what do I care? But, oh, God, this is such a... Tr- this is really hard. <laughs> it is, it is. It is really hard. It is hard. Um, because it comes down to, like, a whole bunch of questions about what does being gay even mean? Um, who gets to define who is gay and who isn't gay? Um, it gets to, down to questions about who, in turn, you know, can you... And I think it goes down to the, another issue we brought up in the last episode about those straight men who have sex totally. with men. Totally. It's, like it's the define, perfect you know, kind of inverse of def- that. Who gets to define not to be gay. Yeah. It's yeah, like the yeah. perfect inverse of that. Um, you know, I, I think I sort of... I've made the comment previously, not in, not in the podcast, but probably on my Facebook page, that if we're going to frame so much of... Uh, sort of sexuality and gender discourse around the idea of identity, then surely in this instance, the identity, you know, if someone identifies in that way, sort of joins in that group, then 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 isn't this kind of the natural outcome of this kind of stuff? Um, so there's a whole range of different elements in here that sort of make it a really fascinating, a fascinating topic, even if it sort of came off at this sort of superficial level of this guy making this this sort of silly comments, um, you know, and this actor like, making these so comments. it's so difficult to it's so difficult to tackle because it just kind of immediately highlights so many contradictions about how we define gender and sexuality. Because like you know, you talking about that example of you know, there's been a bunch of God, I hate when these sorts of things become sort of in vogue to to report on. But a bunch of stories recently about the idea of straight men having sex with men and and not identifying as gay and what does that mean and blah 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 and and I, I feel sort of pretty comfortable in saying uh, that if they don't want to say that they're gay then they're not gay and and who cares hmm. but yeah I mean the like but if we're comfortable doing that then can totally we like the reverse saying- of that is just to kind of say well Andrew Garfield should be able to say that he's gay. <laughs> Which is so so silly. Like I don't I don't know what to I don't know what to do with that. No, I don't know either. Um, I don't know. It's maybe <laughs> how are we how are we going to tackle this, Ben? We know, you know in the next you know twenty minutes or so that we're going to be doing this episode. Well I, th- well, I feel like there's the the kind of there's two ways that you can approach this. There's the the kind of like theoretical way, which is is probably the the harder way, and I'm hoping that we'll come to some sort of conclusions there. But there's a sort of practical question here as well, and it's something that we talked a bit about in the last episode around the kind of appropriation of oppression, I think, is what often uh, causes backlash around these sorts of stories. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I don't know, because this is going to be the second time this episode I'm saying that I'm a bit of an asshole, um, but because I'm a bit of an asshole about this kind of thing, I, I kind of look at, like, you know, I, I suppose I don't see gay man, quote, as a particularly, oh, God, no, this is such a privileged thing to say as like a kind of as a I was going to say as a protected category in the context in which I live at least but obviously there are lots of parts of the world where that's where that's not the case and gay men still face significant persecution so I guess when I look at Andrew Gufford's comments within the context of the context in which he lives the stakes just feel so low you know like like nothing is really 
lost to me by him saying that he hmm. feels like a gay man even though he doesn't want to have sex with men. Whereas, like, I might feel differently if he was doing that in, like, I don't know, in a country where gay men was sort of, like, being killed en masse or, or even if he was, say, doing the same thing around... I don't know, like a trans identity or something like that where, where the pers- persecution is much more sort of active. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, this is more to sort it, of explain it does, but it's, the sort it's of emotional kind of, response to it. I understand the emotional response. And, and I think we spoke about that emotional response with the Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik controversy. Yeah, yeah. Um, in particular in relation to the sort of the feeling of the appro- appropriation of that oppression and the idea of these people sort of take, you know, having this position to be able to sort of act in this, you know, to, to, to say, look, at, you know, in that case that we're gender fluid, or even though they didn't actually actively say that, but to sort of be purported as being gender fluid when, you know, they had the sort of privilege to be able to do that without facing real discrimination for it, um, which is not true of the vast majority of people who are gender fluid or trans in our community. So I, I, I totally understand that emotional reaction to it. It's sort of feels like these people are getting to sort of sort of live off the oppression of others in many ways. Um, at so the like same have, time, have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, part of me is also like, well, actually, you know, that's tr- I totally get that. Part of me also goes, however, maybe even if we've got that emotional response, does people wanting to pe- does a situation where people wanting to be part of a queer community or a queer identity or queer culture or whatever you want to call it, is that a positive thing no matter, you know, however it works? And so, you know, does that sort of coverage and exposure, is that just helping people who are in those sorts of, uh, who are facing continuing face discrimination, does it help them? I, I don't know. I guess it's difficult in that sense. You know, does does Vogue talking about gender fluidity in their magazine, even if it's with people... Uh, who probably don't identify as gender fluid? Fluid does it help people who are gender fluid? Uh, is there, is no, there no, some I've, sort of? I've, I've got I've got it. I've got the you like got the way into this, or at least the kind of okay, the, go for the, it. The it, on this angle, and it, it totally just like as you were talking, I was thinking about the discussion we had a couple of episodes ago about allies because I mm-hmm. feel like this is really linked, and it kind of points to something that is really useful about identity politics, at least on some level, which is the fact that we can... And I was thinking about it in terms of, like, political movements based on kind of rights-type stuff, that that it's a a useful kind of organising principle uh, for getting things that are for specific groups of people. Uh, And it also becomes a way to sort of define particular kinds of communities and particular kinds of, you know, safe spaces and that sort of thing. And the ability, when we're having that conversation about allies, the ability to exclude people from those spaces, I think I sort of said, I feel like we had a bit of a difference of opinion there, but I I suppose I sort of settled on the idea that it is useful to be able to exclude people from those spaces Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, if if not a a lot of the time for reasons like, being able to have more complex conversations without having to kind of educate people constantly or bring people along constantly or just being able to sort of, like, I don't know, exist within a, a, a culture that looks like a particular thing, you know, and, and culture is something that I think is important and contrition is something that I think is is important, not at the cost of anything else, but those things sort, sort of rely on in-group, out-group stuff. They rely on being able to define who is or isn't in those spaces. So I feel like an argument against... And this is me just, like, thinking off the top of my head a little bit, but an argument perhaps against 
Andrew Guffel being able to identify as gay and perhaps like anyone just being able to identify as whatever they want is that it becomes very difficult to maintain those sorts of spaces and have those sorts of political movements if anyone can be in them just because they say that they're in them without necessarily having the experiences that would inform their ability to participate in a particular culture, for example subculture yeah i can i can totally see what you're saying um so I, I i can hear what you're saying i guess the question that then arises is how do we test that in those sorts of spaces yeah, how do we sure. how do we how sure. do we engage in this sort of stuff to say okay well how do you how do you prove that you're a bona fide queer totally well and and in some ways this is where the andrew garfield example is not a good example because it's so it feels so kind of ludicrous on some level. Yeah, it I'm does. Try- yeah. I'm trying to think of a more kind of borderline case where... Because I feel like often this stuff is just kind of self-select- self-selected, you know, mm, like which, mm. which, is, which, is, which is exactly what's probably been in the case of Andrew Garfield. But. The nature of queer politics for so long is that people who weren't queer didn't want to identify as queer. Sure, in, sure. In the, in the sense that, you know, identifying was as, as gay or lesbian or trans... Um, I, I think maybe it's particularly true. I mean, uh, uh, well, it just well, it just oppression meant a has whole cachet range. now. Yeah, yeah, we had a whole bunch of oppression associated with it. But I mean, I, I think there's a there's an oppression has cachet now is a good point. But also, I think um, you know, it's it's a bit it's it is definitely easier to live in this world um, as queer than it than it was, you know. 20, 30, 40 years ago. So there's there's the, you know, the possibilities to be part of that community without that oppression uh, that makes it a bit more appealing, I guess. Sure. And sure so safer. Word. Safer, like yeah. It's again, it yeah. comes back to that kind of have you cake and eat it too thing. Like you can get the sort of the cachet of, you know, identifying as part of a marginalized group without necessarily having to face the same oppression. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think that's the good way to good way to put it. But now I've lost my train of thread of where we were up to. Well we were talking about like proof. Like how do you like what So I guess yeah, so I guess what I was trying to get there is that, you know, previously this wouldn't have been an issue because I don't think you would have had people who would have who would have not actually been queer or would have not seen themselves as queer, who would have been trying to enter the group, uh, enter the queer group, you know, enter the community because they would have, you know, it wouldn't have been something people would have done. But I think you've, you've they actually got potentially more, uh, it's more likely now that this kind of stuff might occur because, you know, you've got this sort of, sort of cachet of being part of a marginalised group without the without the sort of risks that come with that. And so it, it, this is something that's potentially more likely to occur because I think more people might want to be queer because, you know, in, in, in some circles, being queer is considered to be cool um, and sort of something that you want to be part of. And I guess the question is, is that a bad thing? Um... Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Don't we want more people to be queer? Isn't that kind of a good thing? I'm kind of up for more queers. Well, I feel like... I feel like there's a question here about, you know, we talk, we talk about community a lot and a, a real kind of bugbear of mine is the distinction between community and demographic. So when Andrew Garfield says, I am a gay man, what he's, well, I don't know, like, I, it, it's not, to me, it's not that he's saying, we sort of use the term gay community very freely, too freely, I think, and, and it's not necessarily that he's saying that he somehow identifies now, or sorry, belongs now to some big, nebulous, all-encompassing gay community. He's marking himself as part of a demographic. And the, th- the, the reason I think that's a, a meaningful distinction to make is that if you talk about, like, proof, if you talk about who decides who gets to be inside or outside of these spaces, the nature of community is that they... You can't just say that you're in a community to be in a community. Like, that's not how mm. community works, at least not as far as, as, as I would define it. To me, a community is a, a, a space where there are meaningful connections between the people within that community and most of the people within that community even. So, like, I, I, w- I would never say, for example, that an overarching gay community exists. I think that there are gay communities that uh, exist around particular spaces, maybe online or geographical spaces or with particular interests or even like friend groups or that sort of thing. But it's sort of the existence of those communities relies on uh, a a kind of interconnected web of of like connection of intimacy within those spaces. And so to go back to the question of Andrew Garfield, if he were to just out of the blue, I mean, it's a bit kind of Let's just pretend that he's not famous for a second, because otherwise this example doesn't work. If he were to, like, rock up at a gay bar in Sydney, say, and would to just kind of stand there and go, I'm a part of this community. Well, he's not a part of that community, because no one's going to have any idea who he, who yeah, he yeah. is. And, then you know, so, so he's kind of, like, would then have to go through a process of people sort of, you know, checking whether he belongs there. And, and then that community itself gets to decide whether or not he is a part of that. But... In Andrew Garfield saying, I am gay, he was explicitly doing that within the context of his friends and within his friend groups. So you can kind of make... I feel like I'm just like kind of turning in circles here, but you can perhaps make the argument that he is identifying as part of a gay community that from all appearances he does belong to, which is this community of his kind of friends and acquaintances, most of whom apparently are gay men, according to, to this news story. So, I mean, this goes back to the problem and of... And he's been clearly been accepted into that group. Exactly, exactly. Part of that culture and, and, and however, that, however they engage um, collectively, he's sort of been accepted as part of that... Um, community. That, that community. So, I, so, I'd, so, I'm going to kind of weasel out of the question a bit here and basically say, can he identify as gay? Well, that to me just raises more questions about the sort of weirdness of what it means to actually identify as anything at all. Can he be part of a gay community? He clearly already is. Mm. I think it's an interesting distinction to draw because I think it's actually an important one to to sort of important one to draw because you can be gay and not be part of a gay community, 
Um, and I think it's very easy to not be gay and be part of a gay community. And I think that those two things happen quite regularly. Um, and I know many, many gay men who don't belong to anything that looks like a gay community. Yeah. And, I, and I've been in gay spaces where there are people who don't, who aren't gay, who are there, but are clearly part of that community. Yes. Um, and clearly accepted as part of that community and and brought in and sort of engage in the cultural practices of that, of that community very strongly. And I've got no problem with that at all. I think that's great. Um, so, so those two things definitely happen very clearly. It's just whether you could then cross that line and say, well, I'm part of the gay community, so now I can identify as gay. Um, and is that a thing that, that can happen? I mean... I don't, and I still, I'm still just don't know. In in all honesty, <laughs> well, we're like trying that, to answer this question, but I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like that question sure. can only really be answered within if if it is assessed against the usefulness or otherwise of identifying as gay. So, so it's kind of a bigger question about identity politics that it's sort of like, like where, you know, if if we say, and I would certainly argue, and I imagine you might agree with me that the whole idea of identifying as a thing is only meaningful in the act of doing so you know it doesn't it doesn't necessarily reflect it doesn't nec- it can but it doesn't necessarily reflect a reality of any kind it is the kind of the the act of identification that that's the important bit then like whether or not we grant <laughs> it's funny to just be having this conversation entirely about Andrew Garfield but it is a useful example um whether or not we grant Andrew Garfield the status of gay man i feel like we can only kind of go is it useful or otherwise to do so? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Because it's not uh, because outside of that context it's not really a meaningful question. Hmm. Yeah, okay, you know, I see what you're saying. And so so is it useful to identify him as to allow him or is it useful to allow him to identify as gay? I guess is so. The, I mean, and what does that even mean? I mean, like us as the kind mean? of like the 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 entirety <laughs> of of gay men. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we've got the list, and we, we're gonna we're gonna tick you off and say, well, you can you can identify as gay, and you can't, and yep, um, yeah, well, you know, is it useful? I don't, I don't know. I, I I guess I'm trying to think about this. I'm trying to think about this as a framework of a que- as a question. I I think that there's I think there's potential value. I mean, I think that you know I've always thought that the the potential value of blurring boundaries between gay and straight are particularly are quite useful um, in terms of blurring blurring the very nature of those two terms in the first place. Um, because sure, I think sure. that those two terms, are, and we discussed this in the last episode, I think those two terms are sort of quite sort of have, have through a process of essentialization, have become quite stratified and have become sort of one group over here and one group over there. Yes. And the, the, the way to blur those boundaries, boundaries, I think, is actually quite a useful way in sort of breaking down some of that. And, and I think it creates space for people to, for, for people to do a couple of things. Firstly, to feel comfortable engaging in cultural practices that aren't part of their so-called sexuality. So, you know, to be a person who doesn't have sex with men, but who is comfortable engaging in queer cultural practices, which I think can be a whole range of different things, whether it's, you know, hanging out with gay men or, you know, this is in in the Andrew Garfield context, but it would be different for different people, you know, hanging out with queer men, enjoying drag, you know, participating in those sorts of queer cultural practices, I think are a good thing, you know, to be able to blur those boundaries. And it can be a whole range of different cultural boundaries that we could be blurring that I think are important. But it also could open Mm, up up space, space to allow people to sort of explore their the physical aspects of their sexuality and to not have to, I think so much of the essentialized discourse assumes. And again, we discussed in this, this in the last episode 
so much of the essentialist discourse assumes that if you sort of cross one of those boundaries, then you change your identity. So we talked about the straight men who have sex with men and, you know, there's sort of demands that these men must be gay or bisexual or whatever. You know, it says that if you want to do, if you want to engage in this practice, you have to change your identity. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with that, a whole bunch of like demands that come with that. Whereas I'm much more keen on the idea that, you know, explore your physical sexuality, however you want to explore it and be able to identify however you want to identify um, because that doesn't hurt anybody. And so just engage with it how you want to engage with it. And if this is what he's doing is allowing, you know, creating some a bit more space for people to be able to do that, then I'm happy for him to be doing that. I'm just, I'm just like imagining like in our, you know, we talked a bit in the last episode about our, our we can be accused of kind of utopianism sometimes or, or operating in this kind of overly theoretical space. But I'm just imagining like in our queer utopia, um, where people can just do whatever they want. I'm imagining like that the ideal like outcome here would be that Andrew Garfield like belongs to these communities of gay men. He's like hanging out with his gay friends, like going to uh, like watch, watching Drag Race or whatever. And then like one day that just like somehow turns into like this kind of semi-sexual thing. And he's like <laughs> explore and that like that sort of cultural identification becomes this kind of gateway into like him uh, exploring his sexuality, but not then necessarily needing to identify as gay or bi, and that in a utopia, Andrew Garfield is actually maybe the, this kind of wonderful example of uh, how identifying as a thing can lead to opening up all the possibilities of your not only your how you identify, but your sexual practices as well. I'm being a bit silly here, but like no, that's just, the I, kind you've, of <laughs> you've just described like a really sort of postmodern porn. No, no, no totally. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> as I was saying, I'm like, I think I want to watch this. <laughs> I can totally see it. I'm sure you know it's the it's the kind of sort of um, you know the, the porn based in theory. That's what we should do, Simon. We should open up a, a, a porn studio to just like oh. have like porn versions of our podcast episodes. Uh, <laughs> what everyone right. wants to see. Oh, you never know. <laughs> not, I'm not saying we know. perform it, but you know, <laughs> we, we script it. We, we script it. We script it and hire out people to perform. I'm sure, I'm sure it would be popular to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Proper so that's... Porn. That's if, if this podcasting thing doesn't work out, that's what we'll do. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, well, though, where does that lead us? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a weird little rabbit hole. Um, but but I guess... Well, no, like, well, I guess it just kind of brings me back to that central point of like, what to me is the sort of like, not meaninglessness, but like ab- abstractness of the idea of identifying as a thing. And so I feel like I can only engage with this in those sorts of ways, in ways in in terms of like looking at outcomes, whether they be practical or or emotional or political or sexual or what. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. And and I think actually going back to your little utopia, because it's I think it is actually even even though it was a little weird rabbit hole that we went down for a second there, I think it is an interesting one because I think in some ways it defies a lot of the essentialist narrative that we've been discussing in these last couple of episodes. 
Um, and it's useful to think about it in that kind of way in that it's the kind of utopia which allows people to explore things without having to necessarily change who they are or to or to identify the, as them as something and then to 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 allow that to 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 explore themselves physically in different ways or to allow them to explore themselves physically and to change and that to to affect their way that they think about themselves about their identities and that kind of stuff it's that sort of blending of those sorts of blending i don't know if that's the right word but this sort of utopian ideal of the potentials of having uh, the potentials of being able to just explore without having to always sort of make make that well, without having to identify. Of, yeah, without. I was thinking about, about sort of. I think there's a lot of assumption that if you if you're a straight person who has sex with a man, a straight straight guy who has sex with a man, then it sort of creates this existential crisis that makes you really question everything about yourself at this point of time. And in the, my utopian ideal, that's not something that would occur. It's that you know that you could be able to have sex with a man, you could enjoy it, and you could want to do it more, and that would be great. Or you could not enjoy it, and that's fine as well. But it doesn't create this this huge existential crisis, but you know this this huge identity crisis. And so to be able to do that, I think, is this sort of utopian ideal. And and it's interesting that sort of Garfield sort of takes us in this sort of opposite direction, where he's like, well, I just want to identify in this kind of way rather than necessarily thinking about it through doing the physical act first, but. You know, the I think it's a sort of inverse of the of the problem that you see so often in 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 much of popular media, but um, I think I still think it's an interesting part of that you sort of utopian ideal where you can just be like, well, you can just identify how you want as well, and that's totally cool. It's in different kinds of ways. Well, I think that kind of core idea of being able to do what you want without having to identify is almost like like if I think if I think about my politics and kind of what I'm interested in and what I believe in and what I think we should be kind of fighting for if, if you go past the sort of like the material stuff the the like violence and and uh, economic oppression and, and all of that stuff that that I think is really important to engage with when you actually get to sort of questions about I don't know an individual or a community's ability to I don't know be who they want to be essentially or or, or live in the ways that they want to live I feel like that that's a you know, that's a good kind of summation of, of a goal for me, you know, is to sort of work to enable that sort of behavior, work work to enable spaces and the safety to be able to, I don't know, explore things around your gender and your sexuality without that needing to be attached to essential ideas of identity. I think that's a great goal to have. I like, and I, and I think it's kind of funny that we don't have that goal. Like that, we just sort of the idea that you know, and I, and I, you know, and maybe I'm too idealistic about thinking back to like early gay liberation. Um, but I think that that was part of the a lot of initial goals from from early gay lib groups was this sort of idea of this sort of sexual freedom where you could sort of explore these ideas. Um, and explore your sexuality in different kind of ways and enjoy that and to sort of have sort of... There's a sort of a creativity about it almost, this sort of like creative exploration that I think... Sure, it's like play, you know? Yeah, play. But I think it's so often missing in our discourse today. It's just not there. It's this kind of like... Your sexuality is your thing and it's kind of put upon you and you don't get to explore it. It's just there. It's been there from, you know, from, from the start of your being... And you just have to sort of deal with it almost. And like the problem for gay people is they just got stuck with the crappy sexuality, you know, and that's kind of how much so much of the discourse is. And, you know, and I hate that because I think there is so much greatness about 
queer sexualities and queer culture and sort of that sort of exploration. And I, you know, I think it sort of bringing in that sort of discourse about the capacity to have that play and that to have that enjoyment and to have that, um, all of that kind of stuff, I think is really, really important. And I think it's kind of sad that it's been lost. And I think so much of that has been lost because of essentialized discourses. Hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, maybe that's a good place to, to wrap up. Yeah, I think so too. It's been a really good couple of discussions, I think. Um, And I hope all of you, our lovely listeners, have really (laughs) enjoyed it. Um, And thank you for listening. Um, We'll be back in two weeks' time. It'll be a bit longer because I'm going on holidays. Yay! I'm going to the US and Canada for three weeks. Um, and I suspect, uh, and I was going to say, and as I, su- I suspect that I, uh, I might be a bit jet lagged by the time I get back. So I might sure. be a little delay <laughs> in me, in me getting back into it. But, uh, yeah, I probably am currently on holidays when you are listening to this episode. So, um, uh, I hope you enjoy it and I'll try and keep a tabs on what their responses are as, um, as, it, as they come through. Yeah, great. I mean, and as we talked about at the start of the last episode as well, um, we, using this hopefully as an opportunity to play with the format a bit and, and do some of the interviews that we've been talking about for a long time. So um, stay tuned for that. There'll be a, a bit of, uh, yeah, the schedule might be a bit strange over the next few weeks, but just bear with us. Uh, in the meantime, you can, as always, uh, download our episodes and listen to our episodes at uh, queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do that, please leave us a review and rating, which will help other people find us. And an even better way to help other people find us is to tell your friends and family and colleagues and everybody who you think is amazing or even people who you don't think are amazing um, (laughs) about us. Well, even take the bad Uh, listeners. Yeah, we'll even take the bad listeners. We will take any listener that you you force upon us. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, that that sounded wrong. Um, So, please tell your friends about us because that that really helps. And that that can be like, you know, tell them face-to-face or you could share stuff on, um, you know, share our episodes on social media. That would be really appreciated as well. In the meantime, you could also email us at queerspodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear your... uh, sort of comments and your questions and all of that kind of stuff and we're going to try and take take more of an effort to read these emails out on the end at the end of the podcast um, and to engage with them and to make that a regular part of the podcast that'd be great uh we also as we said at the start of the show finally have social media and you can and should like us on facebook and follow us on twitter on both platforms it's at queers podcast uh, which is pretty easy. We'll post the episodes there and links to things that we find interesting and that sort of stuff. So hopefully get some discussion going there. Uh, we also have our personal social media accounts. Simon is on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. He's also on Twitter at Simon Copland. I am on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. So you can contact us there as well. I'm really looking forward to engaging with all on our new social media platforms. I think it's going to be lots of fun. Hmm. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we will see you all next time. And I'm looking forward to that, although I'm looking forward to my holiday a little bit more. I'm very jealous. We will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.